morning. Our second scripture lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to Mark, verses 31 to 38. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called to the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed of when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, who is all that is. God, who is both the tapestry and every thread within it. We thank you. We thank you in these finite bodies who do not always have the vision to see the goodness of your abundance all around us. We thank you for these finite bodies which never have the vision to see the fullness of your vision. For it is only in this collective body that we may be given that vision together. We pray that you may show us the ways in which we each are woven within your tapestry, that your mighty hand is upon us, that your gentle call is both within us and inviting us out. Now may you put into my mouth the words you would have me speak and take from my mouth those you would not. Amen. So I'd like you to imagine for just a moment, we're going to hit this metaphor kind of hard at the get-go of the tapestry. I'm just going to say But I'd like you to imagine for a moment, and if you'd like, you can close your eyes. There's certainly no obligation to do so. But I'd like you to imagine for a moment your life as a tapestry. Your life as a tangle of threads woven together in ways that so often may make very little sense. But as you start to step out, maybe with age, with wisdom, maybe with life experience that knocks you in one way or the other, but enables you to get a different perspective on things, that you're able to step outside and to see all your life as one big, beautiful work of art. And I want you to imagine, as you look at this tapestry of your life, things that came up in your life throughout that time, that you maybe did not want, 
painful experiences, joyful experiences, things you did want, things that blessed you, things that made you feel lonely, things that made you feel excited, exciting moments in your life, painful moments in your life. But I'd like to, as we take a breath here together, for you to just hold that image. And as you breathe in, may you breathe in the abundance of God. And as you breathe out, may you release one more time. Breathing in the abundance of God. Breathing out, release. Now as you come back into this space, maybe open your eyes if you feel comfortable. I'd invite you to take a breath one more time. To breathe in the abundance of God and to breathe out release. Today's passage is one that hits me a different way every time, sits with me a different way every time. This morning especially, I appreciated Peter's pluck, shall we say? It takes a lot of guts to rebuke Jesus. It takes a lot of guts. I appreciate the very humanity that we see here in Jesus, actually, in that his best friend is trying to call him out, call him in. His best friend is trying to say, no, no, that is not, that is not what you have to do. You don't have to go there. Why do you have to do that? You don't have to go there. You don't have to go there. I don't want you to talk about suffering. I don't want you to talk about this. I'm not comfortable with the reality that this beloved person who is here with me, who I love and who I know and who I have traveled with, who I've just literally seen up high on the mountaintop glowing in dazzling white with Moses and Elijah, who I am more in love with now than ever. My heart is wide open. Please don't go. Please don't go. How many of us have been in that situation before? The most heartbreaking circumstance you could imagine coming to life right before you. It rocks you. It shakes you. Tears you open in a new way that is uncomfortable. Uncomfortable actually even so often seems insignificant a way to describe it. It is earth-shattering. That is the kind of anxiety, that is the kind of suffering that Peter is trying to avoid here. I love Peter's humanity in this story as well. Because who in these situations, in these circumstances, would not feel exactly like Peter? Terrified. And yet what I love about this story, just like I love thinking about the image of our life individually and collectively as a tapestry, is that Jesus here says, no, this too is part of it. This too is part of it. This suffering is part of it. Not to be celebrated necessarily, other than as part of the whole, but to be seen, to be honored, to be valued. So often these days, we are finding that as the world continues to get more and more chaotic, more and more disruption, so many people I talk to on a regular basis continue to say, I do not know what to do with this feeling that I have inside. 
I do not know how to look at all of the things that are happening. I don't know how to look at the level of suffering and violence that I am seeing happening. In Gaza, yes, but everywhere all over the world. And so many of us are so terrified of actually then looking at that that we don't actually give ourselves the same permission to look within. It's just too big. There is too much to break our hearts. Friends, I would invite you at this time as we go through Lent, at this time as we move through this transformational period in the world, to give yourself permission to honor the most difficult things in your life, to honor the painful things in your life, to honor your anxiety, to say, I see you, to honor the fear, to say, I see you. Because here's the thing is that it's here anyway. It's going to be part of the tapestry anyway. It's going to be woven in. But the more you ignore it, the more we ignore it, the more we look away, the more we avoid. There's a funny thing about that is that the more we ignore it, the more prevalent it becomes. Because that's just how we are. Because if we don't actually clear that energy from us, it just festers. No wound can be healed that is never first acknowledged. And we're sick collectively. That's nothing to be embarrassed about. We are given these systems that are not working for our collective whole. And it's scary. It's scary to see them fall. I wish there was an easier way to say that. But I don't know an easier way to say that and to be faithful to my own call to speak truth to the good news that is here. What do you mean good news? What do you mean good news? So here's the thing about where we are right now, is that there is something profound being born. Because here's the thing, it is being born in and among and through all of us. But we can't actually let that thing be born without the transformation that is happening of all of the old things falling away. It's a scary time. It's an uncertain time. And yet I will say again and again and again that I believe, I know, I don't just believe, I know to my bones that this is the most exciting time to be a human being on this earth. You can look at me like I'm, like I, I'm not making any sense, and that's okay. I'm going to continue to say it again and again and again. And you say, how on earth do we get from where we are to where we're going? What do you even mean? And I believe that the honoring, the incorporation, the valuing of the suffering, of the difficulty, of the pain, of the heartbreak, is actually a start to get to that place. Because only when we start to integrate that can we actually see the whole tapestry. We're avoiding these threads that we don't like being there. We're trying to pull them out. That's not going to happen. God is the one weaving together this tapestry. We can try to pull them out, but it doesn't actually work. So we get to step back and honor them, to be still and to be present with them. And one of the things that's particularly challenging for us at this time in the church is that we have to reckon with the reality that the church historically as an institution has been one of the places that we have been kept the most asleep. 
Avoid the difficult things. Show up, worship in this way, be just so, be here. You'll do all the things you're supposed to do and then you go. It's fine. We don't want to talk about the messy stuff. We don't want to talk about the uncomfortable stuff. We don't want to talk about our pain. We don't want to talk about our suffering. And so we get to wrestle with that, which is difficult because it's uncomfortable. One of the things that I found on a larger scope, I'm, I'm very actively involved in conversations in the presbytery, actively in conversations in the denomination with pastors across the nation who are trying to figure out how to be church right now. And so often we'll have these different conversations about declining church numbers and things like that. And a lot of my public work is around inviting conversations. How do we talk about these difficult things? And earlier this week, I posted a video to Facebook, and I was sort of pondering on this. And I said straight up, I said, you know, honestly, a lot of times is that people come to church and folks in church aren't nice. They're rude. There may be church nice. They smile. But there's this sense of anxiety that you get, this fear, this desperation almost. And Nina, I checked with Nina earlier to make sure this was all right, but Nina made a comment and said, well, I don't feel like I'm rude or unkind. And I said, oh, no, you're not. Not at all. And I realized that I wanted to actually clarify here that so often what I hear in these conversations at WPC is one of the things that draws people in is that there is a level of authenticity that you do not find in other faith communities. Even just this morning, I saw a handful of new folks come in and see interactions with folks who are here casually saying hello in a very genuine way. In a very genuine way. You will say often you don't need to be perfect to be here. You have people reading in all different ways. You have a combination of the organ and the piano, I mean, and the, and the band. You're quirky in really beautiful ways. I love that. Quirky is a compliment for me. That's like the highest form of compliment. This becomes an oasis, a safe place for folks. As I was reading the ministry discernment profile for the pastor search committee, for the, um, I was struck again and again how explicitly and how often you were naming specifically the LGBTQ community. Specifically, this is a value, this is a priority, these are folks that we want to know that this is a safe space here. And so what I find is that with this little oasis, and there are oasis like this around the, around the church, there certainly are, there are exceptions. Westminster is a beautiful exception in that way. I would not be here if it weren't because I wouldn't feel safe. There are a lot of churches that I go and preach in that I would not feel safe to be a pastor in. That's a different thing. And I'm just one person. But I think it speaks to a much larger ethos here. And so you get this time period right now as the world is going through all of this transition, that you're also going through this transition. And in this time period of transition, all the stuff is muddied up. It's uncomfortable. It's painful. It's difficult. And so you see the stressors in the system. So you get to work through that. That's beautiful. I want to name that. But I want to come back to this part about being an oasis and a place where people really can be seen. Because what I wonder is how do they know that? How do folks know that outside of here? Especially if you're talking about LGBTQ folks. I will say that explicitly. Why would they know that this is a space that they're safe? Why would they know? Unless you tell them. How do you tell them? You go out. You go out. And that can go out in a whole lot of different ways. You're in this immediate neighborhood. Maybe you go out. People have talked about things. I don't want to overly structure programming. That's not my job here. 
but I'm naming a couple of things, right? Food trucks, maybe we try that. Maybe there's a movie one here, one night. You've got a food pantry already happening once a week. What happens if you really build that up and then you're actually connecting with different communities? There are a lot of different ideas. I'm still stuck on the mural on this wall, but that's a whole other, I'm just gonna keep planting that seed. But you have, there's a visible where you need to let people know. I'm not gonna say you need to let people know. You were invited to let people know. You get to let people know. And still, everybody's exhausted. So like, what do we do? It's like, we're not gonna start anything. We're not, that's exhausting. So again, we come back to the suffering and honoring the suffering. Because again, what I would say as a gift for that in the process, what do we do practically? Again, I'm gonna say again and again and again, you sit down together. We share meals together. We talk about the things that are painful. We talk about what we're struggling with. What would it look like if there were groups that got together of four folks who checked in weekly and said, how are you doing? I'm struggling. If we were really honest with each other, I'm scared. I don't know what's happening with the economy. I don't know what's happening with the wars all over the world. I don't know how I'm going to keep my children safe. I don't know how I'm going to keep myself safe. I don't know if my identity is going to be protected, if my marriage is going to be protected. I don't know if my body is going to be protected. I will tell you that the more that we talk about those things, the more that we talk about those things, the more that they will actually dissipate. Because when we talk about those things with one another, we realize other people feel this too. It may not look the same, but we all know loneliness. We all know anxiety. We all know fear. We all know doubt. We all know grief. And as soon as we get together and talk about those things, we will find also that we know joy, but which we'd forgotten because we were so terrified of acknowledging the grief. Sometimes you've got to just sit in it to know that it's not all that is, to feel the grace of a gentle hand being held out to you, saying, I am here with you. You are not alone. There is so much goodness moving through this space, through each and every one of you, individually, exactly as you are, whether it's your first time in this space or it's your 5,000th time in this space or more than that. You are exactly the people who are needed here, now, in this moment, exactly as you are, exactly as you are. Trust that God is leading you through it. I will tell you again and again and again, God is leading us through it. God will not let us go. God will not let us go. Amen.